Because kids are born eating dirt and boogers. <laughs> and they lick the walls of public bathrooms. So they do not need to be decision makers. So put a good book in their hands right. so they don't do yeah. that. They can't hold down a job. They don't know what's going on. Welcome to Book Fair, a feast for every season of reading. We are a growing community of curious readers who share the excitement of books. We want to read together and feast together through the seasons of the year and the seasons of our lives, and we hope you join us. Okay, so welcome back. Today, as I was preparing for this episode, I was kind of thinking that we're going to take everything we've talked about so far, and we're going to put it back together and melt it down for our kids a little bit. Like, do we do book lists for our kids? How do we know what we want to put in their hands? There's a lot of themes in as a parent or sometimes an aunt or a cousin or that fun neighbor lady next door that always knows a good book. Um, how do we, how do we be ready with good themes, with good characters, with morals that teach us less books that teach us lessons? How do we be ready for our kids and our kids of our community with great books. So I thought I'd ask first, like, Amanda, when your kids are going to the library, do you make suggestions or do you turn them loose? We've done both. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we come with some books that we're picking up. Yeah. We don't do so much anymore. Let's go find a book when we're at the library. Mm -hmm. We usually look at some lists we like to look at and then pick some from there and see what's in the library or put them on hold and then go pick them up. So we don't do a lot of browsing and picking from the shelves, but we do some. Sure, if you see something while you're there. In my mind, that turning them loose is the little, little kid age when you just want them to love a book. But sure, I mean, every time we go to the library, we end up picking up something, even though we've come. We've usually also have come for a list, but... I think that that kind of like begins the conversation of like, what, have you ever been like, nah, not that one. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) So we're, we're not going to get that one this time. Yeah. Trisha, what, what about you? When your boys were younger and your boys are older now, did you feel like, hey, as long as you're reading, I'm good with that. Did you have a lot of opinions? Was it more suggestions? I mean, when you first said, what are you looking for? My first response is something they will read. Yeah, I think that is the most important. Yeah, because um, they were both hard to pick out books for, for different reasons. My oldest um, is very opinionated. And so, and like, you know, you can't force a kid to read something. Sure. So if he wasn't interested, it wasn't going to happen. So I would basically just gather. I mean, I would give ideas. I would gather ideas from places that I respected and give him options. And a lot of times he found the books, he found them at school Mm -hmm. because it would be books his friends were reading or books. And I would just keep an eye on it to make sure I approved of the content or, you know, whatever. Um, But it was mostly just what will, what do I think they will read? read? So my oldest was just a voracious reader when he was younger, and I have quoted his kindergarten teacher 
millions of times, honestly, is such a blessing. I ended up doing her hair the whole next year when he was in first grade and got to know her even deeper. And she was also the reading coach for the school. And she said, I knew last year he was such a great reader just from the beginning. I want to caution you that really the most important thing is, is don't worry about all these benchmarks because you know, it is a teacher's inclination to kind of push like, oh, we, we want to keep them challenged. But what you really, really, really want above all else, and she was also a mom of five, you want him to love to read. Yep. And I think that that is the first thing I want to always think is we want to love this. And we can love this and maybe slide in some themes or some certain genres that maybe I want to branch, but I try to not lose sight of we want to love this. So... First and foremost, I think of that. Now, Nate has been a little harder to get to books. He would love for me to read to him while he does a million things and runs all over the house. And he will follow <laughs> the story. So we do yeah. that. But I also think that sometimes when I'm looking at this particular child, I'm, my older one was such a rule follower. I kind of couldn't wait to read Tom Sawyer with him because he was so naughty. I mean, he was just wrecked the whole time. He was just like, <laughs> he is going to be in so much trouble. And he was like nervous for it and like dying laughing. Like, how could this be real life that anybody would do that? Now, I will probably hold off to read Tom Sawyer with my younger one because he doesn't need any help in that department. <laughs> and I think it's a great book. That doesn't make it not a great book. So what I, while I, First and foremost, we got to love it. But there are some times that I'm going to rush to read this one with this kid and not with another. And I think that's just the joy of getting to go on a journey with your kid. Um, sure. I read a book called Honey for a Child's Heart. Uh, that I, yes, yes, yes. That I would just recommend to any parent or any teacher or any nice neighbor lady that kids come and borrow her books. Like literally, if you talk to kids about books ever, read this. And she talks so much about how reading is a culture, which I think that's such a thing for this podcast. Like, that's what we yes. talk about here, yeah. how reading is a culture. And they often, that if someone invites you to read a book with them, and so I think of this so much with my parenting, if my child invites me to read a book that I might not have been interested in, it is an invitation into their heart and to go on a journey with them. And I think that is such a magical way to look at reading with your kids because we now have, a movie's two hours, but a book's going to last longer. We now have this shared memory of that yeah. time we were lost in a cave in the dark. I mean, we didn't do that, but we did that with Tom Sawyer. Yeah. And so that is going to buy me a lot of grace and a lot of validity for when I'm needing to do the harder side of parents when we've done these wonderful things together. It's relationship building. It is relationship building. I think, and I write in every single card when I somebody has a brand new baby, when you literally cannot do anything else because they are so bad or you are so tired or whatever, you can read a book with them. Mm -hmm. You can put it on autopilot and you can read a book with them. And I think that's so true. And so sometimes my what do I want to read with them is very spotty. Like I'm just grabbing, grabbing, grabbing. So in morals or in themes, what are themes that you have? Like if I have license, I want to slide in. Or are you just like, just read guys? The power of story is so potent. And I think story and books is such a good tool for forming their moral imagination Mm -hmm. for training their affections and teaching them 
to love what is lovely, to and love what is true, a, good, and beautiful. Now, what yes. Do you, what do you mean when you say moral imagination? Okay. So I found this good quote. She has I a quote. That, that would be better than <laughs> some, You're going to be the quote girl. Than what, I like it though. <laughs> something better than what I would come up with. But this is from Heidi White, and this was just the simplest, most straightforward. The part of us that just sees the world in terms of goodness. Hmm. It's, I see it as either adjacent to or part of your worldview. Hmm. It has to do with that closely. I also think, and along with training, um, storybooks for kids are going to train their decision making because they get to see so many people's decisions work out well or not work out well. It's going to, when they get out in the world for that first time without you, whether, you know, whatever level we're talking about, they can maybe remember, oh, this didn't work out so well for that character in that book. And it is almost like that built into their personal experience where now they, they are able to learn for that. They have stored that away for their decision-making tools. I think that is, um... That's a great point. The Clementine books work so well with, like impetuous friendships you know like oh I just I wanted to help you so bad but I messed everything up I think it teaches a lot of relationship skills a lot of those kind of books there's kind of limitless if we look at books what is this child going to teach me yes of course we want it to be fun we have to go there first but I like to kind of think what is what is my child needing oh my child could use some empathy let me find a book about this or my child could use I mean, we're reading the Little House series right now, and we just, we're on Plum Creek, and they just lost all their wheat, y'all. I cried (laughs) reading it to him. I knew it was going to happen, but I just cried reading it to him. And I was like, Nate, what you need to hear right now is they're thinking, are we going to starve? Well, he has no Mm -hmm. concept of what are we going to starve is. Right. But I'm grateful that he can have a little peep into that. And then also the parents are saying, okay. We are going to get through this. And they made a plan and they had a happy evening. So what, what hopefully Nate would have maybe picked up on is, okay, we can be, we can be faced with really hard and scary times and we can still do our next best thing. So I loved getting to have that moment with him yesterday. And I thought, yeah, this is why we're reading this book. And we loved it, but this is why we're reading it. Well, we've talked about, we talked about um, in the very first episode with heart books, how one of the most powerful things books does is expands your world and gives you empathy for other people. And that is maybe the most important for kids because they're living, growing up in one household, one school, one school environment, and reading really expands their experiences. It's going to expand as a parent, we can, you know, we can try to run around and give them experiences. We can try to let them play sports and, you know, have friends and have music, but that's nothing like, like what you're talking about living in another time and place, living in a time where if your wheat crop dies, you might all starve. I think this illustrates what the moral imagination is. Okay. Cause you have, you're using your imagination. Mm-hmm. Nate didn't lose his wheat crop, yeah. you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's developing empathy and experiencing that, he's really experiencing it. Then what occurred to me is when our kids got to a certain age, we would take them down to Metropolitan Ministries mm. that ministers to people in our community who are hungry, mm-hmm. who are homeless. And then you make the connection. Remember right. these people that lost their wheat crop and thought they might starve? There are actually people in our community who this don't have This is what it looks like today. This is what it looks like today. Yes. And we are going to help them. That's they why can- we're going to help them. They can transfer with their imagination. Yes. 
what the people in the book experience to what these real life people in front of How them. How it matters to us today. It might be like for them. Yep. Yeah. Um, another thing that I, as much as we want to have fun, one, I have two hard stops that I'm like, we're not going to do that. And so far I'm pretty tried and true on it. We, I didn't start this right away with Trenton, but once I, once I did, this is our rule. We have no abridged books. If you are not ready for this journey, I will not rob you of fully experiencing it. Same. So I will not. And I know there's a lot of argument that is still really good, truthfully, for for why abridged books can be good. So I'm not saying I'm right about this. This is what we do in our home. Because it's not like there's not something wonderful that you can read right now. Now, one caveat I will say about this is... I have found it helpful for things such as Shakespeare sure. to start with a picture book of the plot and for myself too, mm-hmm. yeah. as baby steps mm-hmm. for myself. Because we've read Shakespeare in our homeschool for a couple years now, but I was very intimidated to go there. Yeah. So it helped me too to start with a picture that. book with the plot so you are familiar with the plot and the characters. And then there's also wonderful retellings that are a little more uh, short story length. Mm-hmm. And so then when you get into the play, it's not it can make a little so more sense. much to orient yourself to. Well, right. And certainly I would say with that, all rules are made to be broken and you know your family and you know your ch- children and you make a great decision there. And I can see that because I've never read any Shakespeare and that is so different from our daily language that maybe we do need a stepping stone there. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And I mostly did that as well. But for example... I guess we're going to talk about Dickens every episode too. But one (laughs) exception to this was I did an abridged um, version of Dickens Mm -hmm. with my kids. And I really love the version I have. And it was very true to the language, but it very much condensed it. And I just knew my kids, they were never going to read a thousand pages of David Copperfield. Mm -hmm. They were never going to do it. This is the way I can get them to it. Yes, I can get them to it this way. Um, I love this story. I want them to experience the donkeys where everyone runs out on the lawn and says, get off the grass, donkeys, donkeys, drop everything. You know, I wanted some of these things that, that I love in my favorite book. I wanted them. And, you know, it was a really fun moment because Judah has always remembered that. And when the new David Copperfield movie came out about a year and a half ago, he said, oh, mom, I want to see that. So then we went to see the movie. So I don't know, maybe he will read it someday. Yeah. 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 You know, whereas I think if I had just said, oh, I'm going to wait until they'll read David Copperfield, that would have been a wait that never came. And there's a difference between using something like this as a bridge to Dickens or Shakespeare, as opposed to, I saw a junior classics Heidi book. And I thought, oh, we'll read Heidi. Right. You know? Heidi was written for children. We don't need a junior. Yeah. Yeah. Or Pinocchio or something like that. You don't need an abridgment of those. They're wonderful the way they are, you know, and for kids. That's what I kind of lean towards. And I also can totally see that if it was my very favorite book, I might would push to do that. I I really do get that. Um, And it can also be different. Like you talk about, I know some people do, I hope this isn't what you're about to say, mm -mm. but they read the, they always say, we're going to read the book before we watch the movie. Well, again, my second Uh child, I found that if we watched the movie first, he was more interested in the book. That's Mm -hmm. definitely what I was about to say. But I love that you're offering a contrast to that. Yeah, because he has a very, he had a hard time getting into books 
and getting interested. It was, he was very hard to hook. So he needed to love it already. Yes. But if he loved it already, he's all about doing things again. Oh yeah. Then I already love that. Let's visit that story. Okay. So even in the Harry Potter series, he would get more into it. We would watch the movie first and then read the book. And he could just understand it's going to be better. Or would he even think about it being better? I don't think it was a better or worse <laughs> for him. I just think it was a... Now I have patience for the slow parts of this journey because I'm excited about where we're going. Okay, that was definitely my next no on the list. But that is interesting. And also remembering that all kids are different and we have to parent our kids and guide them the way that we know they need to go. Mine was definitely no books about movies. But I think I developed that thought less around things like what you're talking about and more around like a Disney book about... Frozen the movie or Cars mm-hmm. the movie, you know. Oh, you're talking about the book came after the movie. Yes, that's what I'm really more talking about. Yeah, now, yeah. now, now that did, as Trenton grew, that did lead to the same. So I lump it all together because it did grow into that for us. Which he never pushed me on, so maybe I would have changed my mind if he had. But mine was, someone gave us a Disney storybook when we were little. Or when, when Trenton was like two. And he wanted to read it every day. And I... Never wanted to say, no, I'm not going to read that book for you. But I finally just hit it. And we just started reading other things. And I kept thinking like... I've done that a few times too. I really like this better. You can watch that movie. I'm not opposed to movies. That movie journey is great. Toddlers do kind of love to do the same thing over and over again. So we can do the same thing over and over again with with something different. Like, let's pick a storybook that is on your level and on your age. And so that's where that was born for me. But it, it did grow into like, ah, don't you want to, don't you want to read the book first? And then the, the movie can remind you of the journey you loved. But I've never thought about it from, and I, I may need to start considering that because Nate is so far not as addicted to reading. <clears throat> Though maybe we've taken a burst this week. I think this podcast has like been contagious for him. Aww. He's like, well, I have to get me a book that I love. So he he's in his first series. And I always hold in my mind. That what we, is it? The Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events. Love which it. I really in my mind thought there were three or four series he would do before he got that. He's reading on a great level. He just has never had endurance for reading yet. He hasn't gotten to that point yet. I always think when your child hits their first series that they love, that's when you've got them. Because you can just slide that next thing in and just know you love it. All I have to do is keep putting another one in your hand. And series are easy because they just want to do, again, they want to do that same thing over and over again. So you just say... Here's another. Here's another. I mean, Trenton read a hundred something Magic Treehouse books. As an adult, I cannot imagine. Like, yeah. why? Why are we doing that? The same story over and over. But but for a child's mind, yep. that's wonderful. And those were they were also educational. I would not say the literature is rich, but I do think they're great books to put in children's hands. Especially beginning readers, they're great. Yes, beginning, beginning chapter readers. books. Yes, series I agree. are a great tool. I know Sarah McKenzie from the Read a Lot Revival. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks about that's a great way to help kids who maybe haven't been into reading to get into it or to transition newer readers more to chapter books. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you read, her tip was to read the first in the series as a read aloud. Oh, then that's they're like, a great oh, idea. What happens next? She said, well, you've got to read the next one to find out. <laughs> that's a, a great time. idea. You've said, yeah. here's a peep to something you're going to love. I've got you loving it. Now go love it. Yeah. That is a great tip. Yeah. I love that tip. And she has a book list of series on her website, Read Aloud Revival. 
And lists really like helpful. that are so mm-hmm. important because you find yourself with your kid who either is not quite loving reading and you're really desperate to get them into it or your kid that reads the same book over and yeah. over again. I can't tell you how many people I hear that their kid will not stop reading Harry Potter. And it is those are wonderful books. Mm-hmm. But with my niece, I mean, she was going to she was about to crack it open for her third time through and it was like in a row. And so we kind of sat down and said, "What are the things that you like about that book?" Cuz now you know you love reading. What are the things you like? Let's see if we can find those characteristics in another set of stories. So she read the Lemony Snicket ones then, which interestingly enough, if you look so much for kids at reading level, you can kind of ruin their reading journey. Lemony Snickets are easier books than yeah. Harry Potter books, but she read those after and loved them. Yeah. Once I, I, I broke free from the, the labels the of reading levels, oh, there's so much freedom. It's a good place to it be. It is. <laughs> it is. And that's, again, Candy McCullough saying, just make sure they love it. Just make sure they love it. And I think that is a wonderful part of this conversation. And I'm glad you're bringing that up, Elizabeth, and talking about what they love. And it's important to to know what they like and what they love. But what I also hear you saying is that you're training their affections at the same time. Yes. So you're showing them, you're you're hiding the, here's, here's a term, twaddle, <laughs> right? Which would be the, the frozen book. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, SpongeBob SquarePants Big mm-hmm. Day or something like that. <laughs> He did have a big day. (laughs) You know, those books, there's a place for them. You know, there's a place for my bubble bath books. Yeah. But you don't want them on a complete diet of that. So to hearken back to our very name of Book Fair, and we talk about the feast. Yes. You know, there's some balance to this. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, you really want your child's diet both a food and food for their mind and soul to be mostly really good quality. Mm -hmm. So how do you find those books? How do you find the really good books for your kids? Book list, book list, book list. Mm -hmm. And as much as I didn't come at this in our first episode for me, that's what I do for my kids. I have a lot of different lists that I pull from. And sometimes if I'm looking for character qualities and sometimes if I'm just looking for, oh, here's a fantasy series because we're done with this fantasy series. I have a few on Pinterest and Honey for a Child's Heart has like a birth to 18 years old recommendation. It's wonderful. It really is. Read Aloud Revival is also one of my big Mm go-tos. And And we can also link to all of these lists Mm -hmm. in the show notes. Certainly. Yeah. And Ambleside Online is really my first go-to. That is the homeschool curriculum that we use. And you don't have to be a homeschooler to look at that book list. It's really, it's a lot of classics, right? I've looked at it before. It's wonderful. Um, Which is really great because a lot of times we look at classics and we think, well, at what age would my kids read these classics? Yeah. And so I've, I used to, I mean, I've never homeschooled, but I've looked at that too, too before to just see at what age is this appropriate for my kid. Mm -hmm. I did a little crowdsource in a couple other groups that I'm in and I got a long list, so I'm going to compile that and put that in our Facebook group. Fantastic. too, but some of the others are My Father's World, Sunlight, S-O-N, Light, Five in a Row, Memoria Press. There's so many more, and I also want to specifically say Cindy Rollins has a specific book list that I've loved. It's books uh, to develop virtue in boys, mm-hmm. specifically. It's a wonderful <clears throat> list. That's so great. some language that I've learned in addition to twaddle is living books and those are kind of the two ends of a spectrum 
And just what you're saying, so Elizabeth. twaddles one end and living books is the other end? Yes. Okay. Yes. And what you're saying reminded me of what living books are. It's a book that has living ideas in it. Hmm. So it's more for them to chew on in their minds. Mm-hmm. Just like great books yeah. do. We've talked about on this podcast how you can ask a question of any great book and it'll talk to you about it. Mm -hmm. Same thing for children's books. And there's a great quote by C.S. Lewis, and I wrote it down because I knew I wouldn't get it right, but a children's story that can only be enjoyed by children is not a good children's story in the slightest. Agree. Yep. That's wonderful. If you're reading this book to them and you're like, I want to just rip my hair out. This is so boring. It's probably not great. It's not a great book. And your kids <laughs> probably don't like it either. So readers, we are going to do more episodes on specific age groups and maybe even specific genders. We haven't decided how we're going to divide it up. Maybe mm-hmm. like elementary school girls, elementary school boys. We haven't decided. But, um, or maybe first through third grade, fourth through sixth grade about books our kids loved. We'll do some crowdsourcing of books your kids loved, and we will do episodes on ideas for specific age groups of kids. But we thought it'd be so fun to start out today just kind of talking about what makes a good kid's book, what are you looking for in a kid's book, what are good resources to find kid's books. So we are going to link to all of this in the show notes. Like Amanda said, she's going to do some posts in the Facebook group where she lists all of these wonderful um, lists that she has and and Elizabeth too. And um, so you can have access to all of these wonderful resources. And then we want to hear about your lists. What do you look for in a kid's book? What list do you go to to find resources for books for your kids? And we can start that conversation in the Facebook group. Okay, guys, thanks for joining this conversation with us. We cannot wait to hear your feedback. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Trisha. I'm Amanda. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, subscribe to Book Fair Podcast. Join our Facebook group or email us at chat at bookfairpodcast.com. And don't forget to tell a friend.